Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. Before we kick off the show, I just wanted to take a moment to remind you that the ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup Final is taking place in Barbados this summer. This, by default, gives all of my fellow cricket fanatics the perfect excuse to go and book a holiday to Barbados in June and experience firsthand the euphoric atmosphere at the Kensington Oval, the cricket mecca of the Caribbean. If the cricket alone isn't enough to tempt you, then let me be the one to remind you that a trip to Barbados can also include leisurely strolls along the breathtaking coastline, mouth-watering flavours of the world-class Bayesian cuisine, and, of course, plenty of rum. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados, the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to Following On here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, alongside former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. England fall to a five-wicket defeat in the fourth test in Ranchi to slip to an unassailable 3-1 deficit ahead of uh, next week's fifth and final test in Dharamshala. We'll hear exclusively from England captain Ben Stokes and England head coach Brendan McCullum. New Zealand cricket commentator Dan McHardy joins us to look ahead to this week's test series between New Zealand and Australia, which gets underway in Wellington this week. And we'll get the Aussie viewpoint as well from Jared Kimber. And Multown Sultan's bowling coach, Kath Dalton, reflects on a positive start for her franchise in uh, the first in her first season working in the PSL. And as always, we'll bring you the final word. Uh, so plenty to come over the next hour or so. You're listening to Following On. Well, it was, uh, it was tight, it was exciting, it was gripping. England really made a game of it, but uh, there were a number of uh, places where they slipped up Harmy, and as always, we shouldn't focus on that last session uh, and the last, the last day, the fourth day. Um, England did take five wickets, but being bowled out for 145, and I think not being able to knock over the Indian tail, they began day three with a lead of 134, only three wickets to take, and that deficit, when it was reduced down to 46, all of these are talking points on, on which the match may have turned. Yeah, and no, there's, there's, there's been a few, there's been a couple of test matches now where you can see at this point the match turned. I think the match turned. Kuldeep Yadav walked out to the to the crease with the bat. And when he walks out to the crease with the bat, you're thinking that's it, England, England can't lose from here. And I think from that point, India won it. I didn't think, you know, I didn't think so much in England lost it. I think India won it. I think Jarrell played a beautiful innings, you know, a fantastic innings to marshal the tail, called it Yadav, faced over 130 balls. They stuck about, they hung around, they, you know, they held England at beer, got it down to 46. Um, England made a few mistakes, but you know, I, I don't think, I don't think they could have done too much more than they, they kept going, they kept trying, striving to get the wicket. And then... India won it again from there. Ashwin comes on to bowl, gets ducked out, gets root out, gets bestow out. He, what did he get? He got no. He got ducked, Pope, and root out in a short space of time. And Ashwin Jadeja on that wicket with a bit of Kuldeep Yadav, it was always going to be difficult. You, know, you go, you go down the, the sort of great spin bowlers, and he is a great spin bowler of all time. Ashwin, remember going back to remember going back to two thousand and five, England thirty eight for thirty eight for none in the in the fourth Test match at Trent Bridge. You bring Shane Warne on, and we win by two runs. If, you know, if they, we bring him on earlier, they win the game. But Warne had this way of right, the game's mine now. I'm going to change it. Murley, game's mine. I'm going to change it. Ashwin. Gets a, gets a tap on the shoulder from the captain. You're opening a bowling here. I need you. I need you to stand up. I need you to get me early wickets. I can't let England to get off to a good start. Fifty run lead is is still a big lead on this surface. And what does Ashwin do? You know, he has England sixty for three, and that's yeah, you know, that's what greatness does. So Ashwin Jadeja on that wicket, 
I, I'm so proud of this England cricket team. I really am. I said this in the in the following on after the after the show. When anybody says to me, "Basball doesn't work in India," nonsense. It does, and it's not. And basball's not about men. Uh, basball's not about you know the way they players in aggressive sixes and fours and everything like that. It's about mentality. England two years ago mentality, not having a go at Silverwood or, or Joe, but England's mentality two years ago would it be four 0 down now? You know the team that they've got, you know the the, the the big game plan they had. For me, the the, the, the Test match they were out the one in Hyderabad. And that's down to mentality. And I think in, there will be people who play the perfect game. I've heard a couple of former colleagues of mine, you know, really criticising about is it about winning or is it about you know, entertaining? Well, there's a mentality that you go out on the field with. And I think this is the best mentality to go out on the field with. Yes, they've come up short, but you know, let's be fair. You know, nothing against Bashir and Hartley who bowled their hearts out. They're on a, they're in the same game as Ashwin and Jadeja, and for me, there was only one winner in that contest, and that's Ashwin and Jadeja. So I think England lost it from when when they were when Kuldeep Yadav walked out to bat. He hung around a bit. Jarrell played the great innings, and you know, Ashwin and Jadeja, along with Kuldeep, did what. You know, excellent spinners did. They got themselves in a position to win the game, and England just fell a little bit short. Well, Tom Hartley wasn't expected to be consistent. I mean, I think he was—he's uh, there because of his ability to bowl wicket-taking balls, and he did bowl plenty of those. Shahid Bashir, I think, completed or is on the verge of completing a journey from from boy cricketer to to man cricketer. I mean, his transition and development throughout the series has been extraordinary. But more of the, from them or from from you on them in a moment. Let's hear from England captain Ben Stokes. He was talking after the test match to our man on the ground, Cameron Ponsonby. Ben Stokes, a great test match that England were unfortunately on the wrong side of. What are your thoughts? Um, yeah, I think it's a good way to, to sum it up. Um, another you know, great test match to be a part of. Um, even though it's only gone four days, another game that sort of went down to the wire, albeit finishing the day early. But um, yeah, great to, to be a part of it. You know, I think each day just ebbed and flowed so much. Um, and... Yeah, I think, you know, you look at some periods where, um, you know, could things have happened a bit different? But I think, you know, yesterday when it was our turn to bat, especially in that afternoon session with uh, Jadeja, Ashwin and Kuldeep Bolden, it was very, very tough for us to not only to be able to score, but also to, to rotate the strike. And, you know, when you come out to win you and you face conditions like that, you know, that's where you, you see the class of the opposition. Um, so you've got to give a lot of credit to the way in which they capitalise on, on sort of spin-friendly conditions. Um, and it was very tough for us. All good things have to come to an end. This is you and Brendan's first series loss as a pair. Um, how are you feeling? I'm fine. I'm good. We don't really uh, concentrate too much on that because you know it's a, you know it's the thing is what I, my message has always been consistent throughout since I've taken over. You know, I've been doing it for two years now and um, taking each game as it comes. Um, and you know, as long as we're putting as much as we possibly can as individuals into what the the team collective sort of ethos is um, then everything else will look after itself and you know obviously 3-1 down doesn't like look well if you read it like that but everyone who's walked down that field has thrown absolutely everything at India um, and you know the performances of Shoei Bashir in particular in this test match Tom Harley throughout the whole series uh, I think is great and I think we've unearthed some real talent there as well You mentioned Bashir when England took 2-2 two, two and two there to get India 5 down from the sidelines I couldn't help but notice just how much fun it looked out there What's it like playing in the fourth innings of a test match, defending a small total? Like, is that as good as it gets as an international cricketer? It is, yeah. And that's what I mentioned last night. You know, I think you know with a, you know, on a pitch where obviously spin was going to be our, you know, way of winning this test match. To have uh, Bash in his second test match, Tom only in his fourth. Um, you know, there was obviously there could have easily been some anxiety, some anxiousness around, some worry about coming out and bowling India out, but. You know, I told them that, like, what an opportunity, you know, walking out on the field for England, trying to bowl out India. You know, how you handle those emotions is, is, is what it's about. And I think the way in which they operated today was awesome. Not once did they drop their shoulders, not once did they look like we were defeated. And that's what you want as a captain. That's all you want to see from your players. Um, you know, even when it got down to 20, 15 to the teens, you know, we still looked like um, we were only a bang-bang away just because of what the wicket was doing. And great attitude throughout the whole Test match. Your messaging, as you said, has been very consistent over the past two years. Do you think it will be a new challenge for you to have to motivate players to get up for a, a, what is effectively a dead rubber, or is the kind of achievement of winning any Test match in India enough to keep the group going? Uh, winning any Test match anywhere in the world um, at any given point in any series is 
is what it's about. Um, and that's why staying, you know, just so in the moment about taking it game by game. Um, you know, yes, we've got the opportunity to, to win the Series 3-2, but we've got, we've got an opportunity to, to go out and represent your country again. Um, and we've got an opportunity to go out and, and have another Test match win for England. So, you know, the, the best result for us is 3-2. Um, still lost the Series, but, you know, you take each game as it come and, and you want to win every game you play. Uh, Ollie Robinson didn't have a bowl in the fourth innings. Was that a purely tactical decision? Uh, well, yeah, look, it was going to be spin that gave us the, 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 the chance to win this game. Um, you know, Jimmy's got Rohit out a couple of times early on, um, you know, this series. So that was the, the, probably the first and the only opportunity I felt that scene was actually going to play a part. And, you know, he only bowled a short spell. So then we got the spin back involved. It was England skipper Ben Stokes uh, having a chat to Cam Ponsonby, our man on the ground, after uh, England's uh, loss, India's victory by five wickets. Um, yeah, as I said, the, the selection of the two spinners was, was brave. I mean, it was having the courage of your convictions. It was not having a fear of things going wrong. It's thinking about winning. And, you know, I think the two spinners have done a terrific job. I think they have. I think, and Rian Ahmed. Sorry. I think Rian Ahmed as well. It'd be interesting. It was interesting the conversation Shoy Bashir had, had to the media at the end of, I think, day three, was it, when he, when he spoke to the media or whatever day he spoke to the media. And I think he was more or less indicating that. I think Cameron asked him about getting the nod over you know, Rian, but I think he more or less said, well, if Rian was here, he would have played and Rian went home. Um, but even so, even so I, I think the two of them have bowled admirably well along with, with Rian Ahmed's all-round package, along with Tom Hotley's all-round package, bat, ball and field. I think they've done as good as everybody expected them to. Actually, no, I'll, I'll rephrase that. I think they've done better than everybody expected them to. These have come here and got India worried. It got India flustered. Fair enough, it's not the stellar Kohli and Kiel Raul who are missing in that middle order along with Rishabh Pant. But I think Bashir and, and Hartley have really, really stood up and come of age as cricketers. And I think stand them in good steads because they'll come here the next time and they'll come here the time after because of the age they're at. I think they've done a brilliant job. And not only have they done a job, you know, Stokes has done a brilliant job by managing them. And I think England's all-round field and experience has been very, very good and very, very positive. So I, there's been a lot of good boxes ticked for me. And I think when people will say, yes, they've made some brainless mistakes, they've made some mistakes at times where you can't try and fathom them out, I will say to them, to them people, you can't play the perfect game. You can't have one without the other. I don't think you can play that perfect game the way the mentality of this group is. But the one thing I will say is, if this mentality, this mentality will win more games than it'll lose, unfortunately. You, know, you might have to take a couple of losses. But these guys going back in two or three or four years' time, when it comes back, the experience for this time will be, this makes this group a lot, lot better. Well, we're going to enjoy an eight-day break now before that fifth test match in uh, Dharamshala. So uh, we'll be able to talk ne next week about possible selection, but it will be interesting to see whether Gus Atkinson uh, has uh, given an opportunity on a pitch that is expected to be more SEMA-friendly than any of the four that uh, preceded it. OK, you're listening to Following On here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, alongside former England fast bowler Steve Harmison as we continue to look back at the fourth test between India and England in Ranchi. And a reminder, you can now watch us as well if you're not doing so already on YouTube. Head over to the TalkSport Cricket YouTube channel and don't forget to subscribe. OK, Harmi, before we go any further, let's hear from Brendan McCullum, who has made it a habit of uh, only speaking to the media following defeat, which is understandable because he wants the captain and the players to take credit for the many victories that England have enjoyed since he became head coach. Here's Brendan McCullum speaking to Cameron Ponsonby. Brendan, all good things must come to an end. Uh, the first series loss under you and Ben's leadership. How are you feeling? Yeah, obviously we're disappointed that we've gone down the series, but at the same time really proud of the efforts of the guys, I think. You know, we've, we've had our moments throughout the series. We've performed well at times and obviously been outplayed at others, but... I think it's been a great contest and you've got to acknowledge that India in times where the game was sort of sitting on the line really stepped up and performed. So, you know, from our point of view, we are disappointed, but at the same time, you know, we've, we've got some positives we've got to glean from it. You always talk about not getting kind of too high or too low. Um, with a group that's lost a series for the first time in two years, do you think that's going to be a new challenge for you and Ben as to how to motivate them? No, I don't think so. I don't think it's a matter of motivation. Um, you know, these guys are incre incredibly determined to, to be as good as what they can for England and um, obviously every time we go out there to play we try and go out to, to hopefully you know, ultimately win the game but at the same time our, our message is around 
trying to give these guys as much freedom as possible to go out and be the best version version of themselves and try, uh, try and allow their their skill and their talent to come out. So that messaging won't change. Obviously, it is disappointing when you do lose a series, but we've still got something to to look forward to, and that's a game at Dharmashala where we get an opportunity to hopefully just recalibrate the scoreline a little bit. England Test coach Brendan McCullum uh, chatting to Armana on the ground, Cameron Ponsonby. Um, so no um, massive surprises there from uh, from McCullum, Harmy. I mean, he is super, super positive, and that's the attitude that uh, he encourages amongst the rest of the coaching staff. We've seen, heard from Jeetan Patel in some really bleak times, and you know you wouldn't have thought so coming from uh, his fellow Kiwi. But yeah, you know, his 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 philosophy about the game and about the format will never change. You would you would think. I mean, he's just super positive, and England will continue to try to win at, at every every turn. Yeah, and I, I, that's why I've I've been you know I've had to eat some humble pie a, a little bit when watching this side and the way they've they've gone about their business and you know they've gone about their preparation and gone about trying to. You know, beat India in India, which is always going to be a tall order. You know, I like McCullum when he, he comes out and speaks after the lose. You know, I think that's brilliant. I really do because you know why take attention away from the team when the win. You might as well let the team you know have their say. You don't really need, for me, you don't need the coach to to tell people you know how good the team are when you can get the the word from the group themselves. So again, you know, we talk about this mentality of that McCullum brings to this group, and I think. In the four test matches we've played so far, England have been in the test series. England have been in the test series in all four matches. Now, how many times have you? How many times have we gone into a series in India where four matches in we are still in the te- we, we 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 not still in the test series because obviously we've lost three one, but we were in all four matches. We were we have had a chance of in all four games where you know we've had good passages of play, we've been positivity, we've ended gears strong, and had a chance where you think right England have got a good chance of winning this game. You know the, the only one really <laughs> was the one that we actually won, and one hundred and ninety runs behind. So uh, that's why I think this philosophy works so much better. And yes, there will be bumps in the road, and there has been. But while McCullum and Stokes are, are leading this team, going to India was always going to be a tall order. But if you stick with the, the positive mentality, for me, you give yourself the best chance. Again, will the fourth, the fifth test match won't have started by the time we talk again in, in a week's time. But just looking from this distance, this far out, let's talk about Ollie Robinson, but also Gus Atkinson. If Durham Charlotte is seamer friendly, and uh, if Jimmy Anderson. His quad, he's got a quad injury at the moment. That's why he didn't field on the last day in Ranchi. So um, if he is or isn't available, it looks like there will be a, at least a place for one other seamer, if not two. Ollie Robinson looked ineffective. It didn't bowl on the last day at all in the Indian second innings. Um, and, I, and I wonder, you know, he's, uh, he is, he's medium pace, briskish medium pace. England have already got Chris Wokes as an England condition specialist. Um, is Ollie Robinson an overseas type bowler? Is he, is he going to be effective or, or do, do England, are they better off looking ahead and, and picking Gus Atkinson? I don't want to stick the boot into Ollie Robinson because I think there's quite a few people, including myself before, have stuck you know, a huge size 12s into Ollie Robinson. He doesn't help himself sometimes by you know, the way he turns up. You know, He's pulled out of two or three big test matches, big test series. I keep getting to this. Is he at a crossroads in his career? He's 30 years old. There's no question about his ability. If I'm picking, on paper, the best bowlers for England, in England, or in any conditions away from home, Ollie Robinson's in it he, as, a, as a bowler. But that's just his first spell. You know, he's bowling 77 miles an hour. If his second spell goes to 76 and 75 and 74, and we've seen his average speed in this test match is 124, 76 miles per hour, he can't get any lower than that because then he becomes ineffective. And that is something, that, is, that comes down to fitness, that comes down to durability. And if, you, if you're worried that, uh, for me, if you're going to have somebody with a question mark on their fitness like that, he has to be a gum bowler. You know, Joffre Archer, gum bowler. Mark Wood, you pr- you, you put up with him being injured every now and again because you know, ninety five mile an hour. You can't you can't teach that. You can't you can't buy that. Ollie Robinson, I think you can buy because, like you say, you've got Chris Wokes, and I really wanted Ollie Robinson to spend that time between July when he hasn't played and coming to India. And I'd hoped, I really hoped that he's gone. 
Right, average 22 in test cricket. I've played enough games now to get 50 wickets. Stuart Broad's just retired. I'm 30 years old. I'm not playing franchises around the world. I play hard and, and just mirror Stuart Broad's career. Play half a dozen games throughout, well, you know, four games throughout the year for Sussex, like Brody does for, for Knotts. Play 10 test matches in a year. Oh, you know, of, a, of a 16 or a 15 year schedule and do that for four years and if he does that you get 50 wickets a year 60 wickets a year this kid is a you know, talented talented boy but it's easy saying that you've actually put the, put the work in and the hard work in to do it me and you spoke you know, at, length at, at lunchtime about penny dropping for me when I met one of my you know, you know, influences in my career and I never looked back from that because I learned what it was to be like to be a professional sportsman. Is Ollie at that point? I think he's past that point because he's 30 years old. Where at England, they've given him a two-year contract. So they're telling him that we want you. But if you keep turning up for a tour and you bowl 13 overs and you can't bowl for the rest of the day, and there must have been something in it. Ben Stokes has said that Ollie Robinson was fit to bowl. Then why didn't you bowl him? You know, you're running out of time. You're running out of ideas at the end of the game, trying to make the game a result. Then why didn't you bowl him, Jimmy Anderson, off the field? You know, does he go to Domashala and play Ollie Robinson? If you're going to play three seamers, he probably does play because you can. You have a comfort blanket. Before this Test match, there was talk about Ollie Robinson being the only seamer. And I got laughed at when people said, "Oh, you're just picking on Ollie Robinson again." There's no way you could pick Ollie Robinson and three spin bowlers. And that, for me, is, I think, what you're dealing with with Ollie. This unbelievable talent. But I think until the the penny of actually what it takes to be the, the bowler he needs to be day in, day out, then, then we're always going to be having this conversation. I, I hate myself for saying it because I was in that position once before. But I'm sorry. Yeah, it has to be said. I'm not questioning. I'm not questioning the bowler. I'm questioning the other, the preparation, the preparation, and the mentality of the player to want to be on the field all the time and go through the hard work to be that player. Because I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying this on a whim. I'm saying this because this is three times now in three big series. Your captain turns to you to throw you the ball, and you're probably not in the best position physically to actually bowl with it. Nobody is better qualified than you to qualify to uh, comment because you have been there and final word um, uh, goes to India we haven't said nearly enough about the success which they have thoroughly deserved well captained at towards the end <laughs> of the series by Rohit Sharma not so good in the first couple of test matches but without Virat Kohli without Mohammed Shami they could even afford to rest the number one bowler in the world Jasprit Bumrah for the fourth test in Ranchi and they still won uh, in Dhruv Jurel, the keeper, they seem to have found a real good one, uh, a long-term one. And and you know what? Um, there's been nothing lucky about India's victory, and they thoroughly deserve to have won the series. Yeah, they, they have. They've, they've played the big moments, and they've played the big moments very well. They've, they've unearthed an absolute superstar, and Jai Swal at the top of the order. Um, Jurel looks as though he's going to be a, a player. I think the jury's still out on, on Safraz. I can't see Patitar playing another test match. 52 from Shubman Gill today will feel like 150 for getting his team over the line and winning. That could be his his sort of coming to the party test match cricket a moment where his career defining moment is. And it's only 52, but it was in a winning course. But I think it's been a great contest between two sides who are wanting to try and win, wanting to try and give to their best their players to be the best versions of themselves. And do you know what? I think it's so refreshing watching Test Match Cricket, the way these two sides have played. So every, you know, the result's going to be India, obviously, because they're 3-1 up, and it might be 4-1, it might be 3-2. But I think the takeaway by the end of the next Test Match will be what an unbelievable series it is by two teams playing a beautiful brand of cricket. You're listening to Following On here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, alongside former number one bowler in the world, Steve Harmison. Uh, Next up, we'll turn our attention to a huge test series across the other side of the world as New Zealand hosts Australia starting this week, and uh, we'll get the view from both camps. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. If your passion for travel is on par with your passion for cricket, then I have some excellent news. The ICC Men's Cricket T20 World Cup final is being hosted in Barbados this June, which makes it the perfect destination for your summer holidays this year. To make the most of your trip, you can also experience eight matches from the series in Barbados, including England against Scotland and England against Australia. In under a month's time, you could be spending your days exploring the vibrant streets of Bridgetown, drinking rum in the sunshine and experiencing exotic Bayesian delicacies in the culinary capital of the Caribbean. There truly is something for everyone. There's no need to wait a second longer. Head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today to book the trip of a lifetime to Barbados. Truly the best place to be a cricket fan. You're listening to Following On here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, alongside former England fast bowler Steve Harmison. And if you missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can download the podcast, as always, from the Following On feed, available from the free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, as one series comes to an end, or at least the result does, England going down uh, 3-1 to India with a test to play, we have another one to look forward to, and it is the mouth-watering prospect of uh, the trans-Tasman rivalry. New Zealand will be hosting Australia in a couple of test matches in the World Test Championship. And uh, our old friend and colleague, Daniel McCarty, joins us late at night from New Zealand to look forward to uh, a series. Many, many talking points, Dan. What are you most looking forward to? And great to see you, by the way. Uh, and you, fellas. Uh, absolute treat to be back on uh, the programme with you and hope you're doing all right. Uh, I, I'm just looking forward to seeing Australia in New Zealand playing test cricket. Um, it just doesn't happen often enough. 2016 was the last time. The base and reserve, the sort of home of New Zealand cricket, got to see these two sides. And the other thing, I'm, it's not what I'm looking forward to. I'm hoping for that New Zealand can actually find find a way to show their true selves when they play their, their big brother across the, uh, the Tasman. Because unfortunately, far too often, uh, New Zealand seem to have a bit of a mental block against the Aussies. And hopefully 2024 can be a little bit different. Speaking about the uh, the best of, of New Zealand, one player who I think there's a question mark on his fitness, but also a little bit on his form. He's a fantastic player, Devin Conway. Are you expecting him to be fit? Is he? Is there a question on his place? His form has been a little bit up and down, but at first and foremost, are we expecting Devin Conway to be fit? Well, I, I had the luxury of actually seeing Devin Conway at a function just uh, a few hours ago, and he gave me one of those looks, quizzical looks, where we're at... Uh, uh, the official welcome of the Australians and New Zealanders at Premier House with the Prime Minister. Um, and, and I was pointing towards his left thumb, Harmi, uh, that had a sort of a, a black cast over it, just the thumb itself. Uh, and he gave me the old sh- the sort of, uh, you know, wobble of the head to suggest it wasn't looking too good. I finally got to chat to him and he actually used the words 50-50, which would be alarming to New Zealand because De- Devin Conway needs to be at his best, not Devin Conway of the last three or four months. It was actually against... England in the World Cup, Harmy, that magnificent 150-odd, I'm sure you all remember. But from then on in, he has really battled. And it was only in the first T20 international, what, just a few days ago, that he scored his first half century in any form of the game since. So in all likelihood, if New Zealand are to beat Australia, you can't help but vision, uh, envision Devin Conway playing a significant role in that. So A, we need him fit, and B, we need him back to form. Yeah, if he's not fit or if he's not back to form, there's also a question mark on Blundell. Do they then bring a, a batter mm. in who's in form and does potentially Tom Latham have to take the gloves? Well, well, uh, they would have uh, Tom Latham very much in their, in their thinking as far as that is concerned. Tom Blundell is going to stay in the middle order. The good thing about the batting cover this time, they've actually got a, well, I wouldn't call him a specialist, but by the fact that he's uh, you know heated the court so often, Will Young, he, he would naturally slide into the top of the order if Devin Conway's uh, unavailable. So 
Uh, there'd be, be no duress really on Tom Latham to, to keep, thankfully, and uh, Blundell can stay in the middle order. I, I think there's a very good argument that Will Young should play in this lineup, batting at number six. I, I look at that Australian side and I just see the strength in that bowling lineup. And, and this is no disrespect to that Australian top six, the current one, but it, it doesn't strike the fear of strike fear in your heart of some of the Australian top sixes we've seen over the years. The West Indies might have exposed a soft underbelly in that lineup, but how do you cope with a bowling attack with every single one of that, you know, the four horsemen of the apocalypse with 400, what, 250 wickets plus? Um, the New Zealand batting versus the Australian bowling always seems to, to be the vital element of these series, and, and, and I don't think it brings any truer than this one. Dan, one man who hasn't uh, produced his best form against Australia, one of a, a couple actually, is Kane Williamson, the skipper. Mm. Um, presumably having filled his boots against South Africa's village team um, with, uh, with 300s, and uh, he'll, he'll be feeling ready to, to finally show his best against Australia. And also, I just love the story about him playing his 100th test at the same time as Tim Southey. They played their 50th mm-hmm. together as well, didn't they? Yeah, they did indeed, and they'll join the likes of Taylor, Fleming, McCullum, Vittori, and that, that select uh, group of New Zealanders reaching 100 tests. It's a long slog for New Zealanders to, to reach 100 tests. We, don't, we just don't play often enough, the purists on this side of the world would say. But you're right, Kane Williamson hasn't been in vintage form. He took New Zealand to Australia in 2019 and really struggled, um, really struggled as that team sort of fractured apart when their confidence should have been sky high as they were exposed. Uh, but he has just been in serene form. In fairness, man, has he got 400s against South Africa? Uh, he got three in the test and also one in a session. Uh, j- j- <laughs> just for laughs. Uh, j- just for laughs. O- on a very slow surface, guys. Um, he was gesticulating the whole innings. He wasn't happy with himself, but guess what? The guy ends up with 100. But my new favourite, Cade Williamson, stat is the last time he was dismissed between 50 and 100 harm. He talked about conversion rates. was back in February 2020. The, the only time he's uh, got past 50 and not, not got on to, to make 100, he was 52 not out in the World Test Championship final. He's got 1,100s and four double hundreds in that time. He scored over 2,000 runs in that time. And I know you guys have seen him. You saw him at the Basin Reserve score a, a brilliant 100 against England in that epic game in February 2023, which was on TalkSport. New Zealanders are just lapping it up. We know time is not on his side. He's just, he's just the picture of serenity. And hopefully he can get back to scoring runs against Australia. He scored runs against the men as he scored 100 in Australia. And we just hope he's uh, able to ca- uh, carry on this quite quite ridiculous form that we've got to enjoy over the last two or three years especially. Now 32 test hundreds. Like Me as growing up as a cricket fan, um, I, I would have told you you were barking mad if we were going to have one New Zealander reach 20 test match hundreds. This guy's now got 32 and 98 tests. Yeah, it's amazing. He is a, a wonderful player. We had the pleasure of having him on our show um, a couple of months ago. And as good a player as he is and a good a person as he, he is, yeah. obviously even better. He was a brilliant guest for us and we thanked him for coming on. And we said we wish you well in the in the, fors- you know, in the foreseeable future. And he, to be fair, he's not looked back. He's been absolutely brilliant. And somebody else who's not looked back. You know, how how about Ratchan Ravinder? You know, I, I, we've seen him on TalkSport for the first time when um, I think New Zealand were in Pakistan. I think he batted number seven. He was the second-choice spin bowler. Then Durham trying to sign him. I remember Durham trying to sign him, and then it, was, it went on hold. It went on ice, and he couldn't play. Then he did play, got a double hundred for Durham. So, yeah, he's in, he's in ridiculous form after the World Cup as well. Well, uh, you know my hometown bias to Wellington um, is generally strong. It's been particularly strong with this player since really I first laid eyes on him. Uh, there was so much noise coming through the Wellington junior ranks. Wellington, despite by its geography and climate, it's rubbish before Christmas. You know, club cricket has played on artificial tracks most of the time, have not had a history of developing international batsmen. But this guy is just, um, he's frighteningly good. Uh, for a number of years, he was teasing us. He'd score the most magnificent 40, 50 or 60. You could just see it. You could just see it. And it was just a, it was always just a matter of time. And he just exploded onto the, uh, the cricketing world at that World Cup. Uh, New Zealand failed to make the most of that momentum. Bizarrely didn't pick him for a test series in Bangladesh, where I, I think he had an argument to actually start ahead of us. So he's just a frontline spinner. But thankfully, uh, sanity has prevailed. Um, Henry Nichols had to make way. Uh, for a lean patch, a long lean patch, particularly away from home. And 
well, a sign of a quality player is getting a chance. And he came in and scored 240 um, against um, Manners' village uh, South African attack, who in fairness, Manners, I, I, I thought, you know, battled bravely, didn't give much away. Um, and, and it was still hard work for Ravindra. And uh, we just hope it's the past, the present and the future with him and Williamson in the same lineup. And only uh, New Zealanders can dream of two world-class batsmen. It hasn't happened much over the years. Well, I have to say that uh, New Zealand played brilliantly against a, a South African team that did try hard, but uh, the result is exactly what South Africa mm. deserved um, for yeah. uh, their maladministration. But that's another story uh, for another time. For now, <laughs> for now, Dan, it's been a brilliant to, to talk to you and to see you again. Enjoy the series. Uh, I, I'm sure you will, and um, you know who everyone in England will be supporting, don't you? <laughs> Yes, yeah, exactly, very much. And we can feel that love. I, I, I'll finish off. I just hope New Zealand can, can reveal their true selves in front of Australia. You know, the, New Zealand's had a proud history against Australia. I think the early 80s to 90s, we beat them four times at home, won a series away from home. But the last 10 test matches since we last won a test in New Zealand in 1993, it's nine, nine losses and one draw in a game we were following on in. And thankfully, the Wellington weather revealed its true self. So New Zealand cricket fans are just desperate just to see a victory against Australia again on our shores. So, so hopefully, we're celebrating alongside you when that happens at some stage in the series, we hope. That was New Zealand uh, cricket commentator and a great friend of TalkSports, Dan McCarty, talking to us live from Wellington. All right, so that's the thoughts from the Black Caps camp. Let's find out. Uh, how our another colleague who's been uh, with us uh, throughout uh, the last month or so, Jared Kimber, has been having a look at how Australia's preparations are going. The two most interesting things for me is probably Steve Smith and how he will continue as an opener. Everyone, I think after three innings, everyone had been like, oh, this is a terrible mistake, we shouldn't do it. And then, of course, he comes out and plays probably one of his best ever test match innings. Um, carries his bat. Of course, he carried his bat in the fourth, uh, the fourth time he ever opens in a test match or third time, whatever it was. But how is it going to go overseas? How's it going to go on grassy wickets uh, and all those sorts of things? How's it going to go when he does it, you know, in longer series going forward? We know he doesn't sleep. Like, will he not sleep for a month? All these sorts of things I think are worth having a look at. He wants to do it, so he's going to do it because that's how Australian cricket works. Steve Smith asks for it and he gets it. But Matt Renshaw is in the squad and I don't think that's an accident. Uh, So... I still believe that they will give Smith this entire series, but I'd love to see how we'll go against you know some very good New Zealand bowlers on maybe occasionally helpful pitches. Does Michael Neeson make your all-time great Australian eleven that will never play a dozen Test matches or even probably half a dozen? This is not probably the time to go into a big chat about the great Matthew Innes, who you've probably never heard of at all, um, and how he missed out. But I think you're right. In another era, he would have played a little bit more. How much worse than Michael Kasperwitz or Andy Bickle is Michael Nisa? And he can probably bat better than both of them as well. Currently, do you know what his bowling average is at the moment, Michael Nisa? It's low. Yeah, 16 in test cricket. <laughs> um, he might end up keeping it there, though, to be fair. Scott Boland's got ruined. Actually, Patel's got ruined. So you know, it might help him from that point of view. I think he's a wonderfully talented cricketer. They keep taking him to places like England and New Zealand, but also with the thought of who are you going to drop? Right, And they don't like resting their bowlers from test matches as much as maybe England do. So, And they can't rest Pat Cummins. <laughs> so they're in a situation where I don't think they'll play Michael Nisa. And uh, he, he's not really... This was always the problem. Do you remember Chad Sayers played for Australia? Chad Sayers was a fantastic bowler. The problem was Chad Sayers would come in and he would have to replace Mitchell Stark or Josh Hazelwood or Pat Cummins. Right, And he wasn't like any of them. He came in to replace Mitchell Stark, and I thought, well, how is that a like for like? Chad Sayers is like a six-foot-one outswing bowler, and Michael Neese is a bit the same. It's like, if you want to try something different, you'd have to drop one of the others. Otherwise, it, doesn't, it never quite fits, and you'd be better off with maybe, you know, Jai Richardson or, you know, Lance Morris or Spencer Johnson or someone like that coming in. And unfortunately, Michael Neese is too good, so he sort of sticks around and never plays. But you're right. You know, is he the Martin Love of his generation? Someone has to be the Martin Love of their generation. It's not, it's not you or me. No, it isn't. And very quickly, finally, the World Test Championship and uh, the reaching the final. I think, I think Australia might have to, to win this little series 2-0. Uh, uh, depending how they go against India, of course, at the end of the year. And the other thing is that why did New Zealand never play, never produce their best against Australia when Australia visit? 
there's obviously a very complicated history between Australia and New Zealand. They beat them in 1947 um, when they bowled them out for 50 or whatever it was in that in that entire test match almost. And Australia didn't regard that as a test match. And it wasn't just that New Zealand was afraid of playing Australia. Australia were like, what's the point in playing New Zealand? So it's a complicated history compared to you know some other nations out there. But yeah, the other side, the other side, the World Test Championship. I think you know that I have no idea because you were having the. You said it was such confidence. You're such a brilliant broadcaster. Of I think Australia need to win this series, and it's just like you have no idea. John Norman said that to you. You probably didn't even look up the table. You were just like, that sounds like a good line. I think the issue for Australia and India is that they have to play each other coming up, which is also what John Norman said. And so when two major teams who are both a chance of playing uh, in the final, the World Test Championship, have to play each other, they might split points, which actually allows a spoiler team to come in. I haven't looked at it enough to see if that is the case, but Australia losing to the West Indies was massive. Right for their World Test Championship because they had those games penciled in as wins. And now, New Zealand play a couple of good test matches. India come with a strong team. Who knows? They might not be able to defend their own title. That was Australian cricket writer and a member of the TalkSport commentary team, Jared Kimber there. Um, And we'll bring you reaction to this week's first test on next week's show. You're listening to Following On here on TalkSport 2 with me, Neil Manthorpe, alongside Durham Hall of Famer and world number one, Steve Harmison. And a reminder, we'll bring you live and exclusive ball-by-ball commentary of the fifth test between India and England from Dharamshala next Thursday with our coverage getting underway at 3.30. But I'm um, delighted to say here in part four, we're joined as promised by Kath Dalton, Multan Sultan's bowling coach. Um, first of all, we have to say, Kath, that uh, we, in case our listeners aren't aware, uh, and our viewers, in fact, on uh, the TalkSport Cricket YouTube channel, uh, that uh, your team, the Sultans, are top of the table. Uh, you made a cracking start, won four out of five. Um, so how are you, and how's the PSL? Uh, the PSL is unbelievable manners. I think the amount of support in the country and people lining the streets when we're going to games and coming back from games has been incredible but also to just get off to a winning start. You know, uh, we had five games at home, so that was quite nice. So we, we spent two weeks in Multan and having those five games at home really allowed us to settle and understand the conditions. But to be top of the table at this stage at the halfway point is, is a brilliant start. We couldn't have asked for anything better. Yeah, Multan's probably a better experienced man than I first went to Multan. I played in the first test match in Multan in, in 2005, and I don't think Multan was ready, never mind the ground, the hotels, or everything that <laughs> comes with it. But a lot has been said about the PSL. Kath and you know, a lot of people that I've spoke to about their Pakistan experience. Rob Key went out there and commented. You speak to like to Dominic Cook, Nick Knight, who have been out there. Mark Butcher's there now. They say what a contrasting difference is. And you know, they spent a lot of time out of international cricket. Did Pakistan playing at their home home grounds? But what's the venues like now? Is it you know they say it's a wonderful place to go and tour now? It's absolutely incredible. I think. The hospitality here is something that I haven't experienced before. Everybody's just there wanting to help. Obviously, being a female coach, wasn't sure how that was going to go down, but that's been received really well. But as you said, they just love their cricket. It is a massive passion here. And we've had, uh, I think, two uh, full houses for games. And the noise they create, even if it's not full, there's just the pure noise they create is it just shows you how much passion, as I said, they have for the game. Kath, uh, you, the fast bowlers are going well. Um, you've uh, got uh, three of your men, Muhammad Ali, David Willey and uh, Usama Mir, in the top five wicket-takers. Uh, but Alex Hartley's also working out there with you. She's also part of the team, working with the spinners. Yes, yeah, she is. Uh, so she's assistant spin bowling coach to David Parsons. She's doing a great job. Usama Mir is a fantastic leg spin bowler. He's done a few things, I believe, technically uh, in his actions before the camp. We had a pre-tournament camp and uh, he's just bowling beautifully at the moment. So he's, he's been someone that, that we bring on after the power play who, who does seem to take quite a few wickets in that spell where the field is spread. And yeah, Alex is doing brilliantly and, and we're both really enjoying the journey. And tell about the tournament, you know, the, the aspirations for the tournament. You're going well. You know, everything's rosy at this moment in time. You know, it is a, I wouldn't say it's a long, long tournament, but the, you know, we, every tournament you have a, a bump in the road. Senior players in the, in the group. How is the, the group going you know, as front runners, leaders of the pack, shall we say? 
I feel like uh, when you look at our team and then you look at the other teams, we seem to be really together as a unit. And I think credit to the, the management and our, our owner, Ali Torini, has created this incredible environment that everybody feels comfortable with each other in. But we've also got an, a, a really good leader in Rizwan. He's, he's somebody who just steps up and he, he just lifts everybody's spirits. We've also got Dave Williams, our, our vice captain, and as um, as such an experienced T20 bowler, he's really helping out with the seamers as well. It's not just me. Uh, so that fill um, has been great. And obviously we did lose a game only by six runs, but we did lose a game. And it was really good last night to bounce back from that and, and come, over, come, come out with a win and, and leave Multan 4-1, so to speak. I know that you've uh, been to Pakistan before. You've uh, had a couple of trips out there coaching and that led to this appointment uh, with Multan. Um, and so you'll be used to things culturally. Um, well, not, not completely used to, but it's not unfamiliar with. Um, what about the blend of cultures within the team, within the squad and, you know, international T20 franchise cricket? Are you in, involved as part of the management in, in blending the different cultures? Yeah, I, I think that's been something that's come quite easily to us with We've done quite a few kind of team building things as well. And obviously having that pre-tournament camp was, I think, vital for us to get to know each other. And the longer we're going on in the tournament, and of course, when you're winning, it is a little easier to build that camaraderie as a team. But it's been brilliant. And from a fast bowling perspective, the, the local players have received me incredibly well. And it just that rapport is so important when you go into franchise cricket because you don't want to go in and start changing loads of things you want to make sure you've got a good rapport and then you build that relationship and, and hopefully get the best out of the bowlers that you've got and the and the crowds we've seen them on english tv over here that it's it's well received it's you know pakistan india the you know they just love their cricket but the crowd seems to be getting bigger and better and that's something that your team is going to have to put up with as they go through the tournament if they want to be successful because the latter part of the, the tournament, then the knockout stages and hopefully Multan get to the final. There's going to be some big crowds and massive atmospheres. How do, the, how do your group feel playing in front of you know, the, the, hopefully the packed houses? Yeah, I, I think we're coping with it very well. Obviously, we haven't been away from home yet. We're playing uh, Lahore Calanders tomorrow night, so that's going to be a new experience for us. But we had a young 19-year-old uh, emerging player, Aftab, played last night and he was brilliant and we weren't sure how you never know how a player is going to react to that kind of environment but he was so cool and calm and he's hardly played any first class cricket and he's bowling to Riley Russo and he gets him out and he's giving it to the crowd it was it was fantastic so I think that they're, they're really relishing that atmosphere and and the euphoria around the tournament. Kath, will stay in touch with you, hopefully. If uh, any England supporters don't know who to support, then Multan Sultans is uh, is your team. It looks like a lovely hotel room, by the way, so they're obviously treating you quite nicely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, been treated very nicely, manners, don't worry. <laughs> well, good luck for the rest of the tournament, and if it's all right with you, you can find the time. We'd love to catch up with you throughout uh, the rest of the, the coming weeks. Absolutely. We'll speak to you soon. That was Multan Sultan's coach, uh, bowling coach, fast bowling coach, Kath Dalton. And fantastic to have her as part of the TalkSport commentary team uh, over the last couple of years. And also now that she's in uh, a senior position in the PSL, fantastic to catch up with her. OK, it's uh, that time of week, Harmy. Final, the final word. Um, I want to do, uh, mention Rishabh Pant. I mean, it's a fantastic recovery from a life-threatening car crash. Over a year ago, he's going to come back um, with Delhi as a batsman, a specialist batter only, um, initially. Uh, so terrific uh, for him. But I also wanted to mention a man who made his reputation as a young young cricketer, Tristan Stubbs for South Africa, as a T20 specialist. He was barely out of school, 20, 21 years old, and um, smashed it in uh, South Africa's uh, domestic T20 competition. Um, and, and was boxed very much as a white ball specialist, played for South Africa in the T20 team, um, was barely mentioned um, as a first-class or potential test cricketer. And in the final round of South Africa's uh, four-day competition, he scored a triple century, only the 12th South African to score a triple hundred, Tristan Stubbs. And the great thing is, he said it was the best innings of his life, and that's all he wants to play, or it's his favourite format. Yeah, I've seen that, and I've seen what he had said, and uh, seen 
parts of that innings. And you know, when he went to a hundred and when he went to the the triple hundred, Richard Pant. It's great to see him back first and foremost. Uh, any, I mean, we've all seen the pictures of that car. How somebody got out of that car alive? I've got no idea. And, you know, so thankfully he's 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 in one piece and he's alive and he's you know, he is able to be the best Richard Pant, the person that we all love because he's a colourful character and we love watching him play cricket. So to see him back in the IPL, I think that's a beauty for the IPL. Um, forget whatever happens, whether he gets runs, he gets work, and, you know, you know, gets back to wicketkeeping. Just great to see him back on the field. But if you take you take you back, Manners, I just want to take you back to the interview we did with David Beddingham. And can you remember what David Beddingham said? We'll have to get Scott, our producer, to maybe you know, dig this out for further down the line. He said, when you talk about franchise cricket and you talk about the SA20, he says, I was just talking to Stubbsy the other day and we talked about how much he loves playing and wants to play test cricket. He mentioned Tristan Stubbs wanting to play test match cricket and that was probably what three four three weeks ago four weeks ago before he made that triple century so for Tristan Stubbs not only to make the triple century then to come out and say that's the best format he wants to play test match cricket good on the boy and uh, it was longer than that I think you know and yeah you're right um, let's just hope that uh, he's he played one test match against India on the world's most seamer friendly pitch at Newlands <laughs> it was, uh, he made three and naught um, and you know and it was over by, by after lunch on day two so hopefully uh, more runs to come in test cricket for Tristan Stubbs you've been listening to following on here on TalkSport 2 with me Neil Manthorpe um, alongside uh, former England fast bowler and the number one in the world Steve Harmison um, and if you've missed any of the show or you wish to catch up, you can, as always, download the podcast from the following on feed, available, as always, from the tip-free TalkSport app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, we'll be back at the same time next week to look ahead to the fifth test between India and England. Every ball, of course, live and exclusive here on TalkSport 2. The following on podcast is proudly sponsored by Barbados Tourism. And this is your gentle reminder that Barbados is the best place to be a cricket fan. With eight matches from the ICC Men's T20 Cricket World Cup Series taking place in Barbados this summer, including the final, you can experience the summer of a lifetime by booking today. Aside from immersing in world-class cricket in the sunshine, Barbados is the dream destination for all travel enthusiasts. It is where adventure meets paradise, the culinary capital of the Caribbean, and better still, the birthplace of rum. If you are keen to unite with cricket fans across the globe for what is set to be an unforgettable summer, then head to visitbarbados.org forward slash cricket today. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.